In the shadowed recesses of our world, monsters lurk. Beasts from a bygone era, obscured by the thickest forests, deepest oceans, and darkest corners. Despite our reluctance to find them, an unlucky few cross paths. It's these experiences that we explore at Monsters Among Us podcast. My name is Derek Hayes, your faithful host and guide. Each week I explore calls from around the world detailing chilling encounters with mystery beasts, ghosts, UFOs, and a plethora of other strange happenings. You can find Monsters Among Us podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and most other podcatchers. Beware, there truly are monsters among us. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear. When he came over to me, dude, he slithered over to me. And this giant comes out of the cave and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. But the giant moves, he's got a spear in one hand and he's running really fast and spears Dan and holds him up like this. Somebody yells, shoot him in the face, shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him. Got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blowed his head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reached my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster. Welcome to the show, everybody. You're listening to The Confessionals. I am your host, Tony Merkel. Thank you for being here. If you've had an encounter or a story you'd like to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. Either way works for me, just get a hold of me. Now, this week, we have Alan coming on the show, and Alan has a different type of story to share with us. He, in high school, found a property next to a quarry that had some suspicious activity going on. And I don't want to spoil too much for you, but the house that he saw had some weird things going on inside of it. They were chased off the property by a car and gunshot. And he also saw a weird cryptid-like deer running next to the car. So without any further delay, let's get to Alan and hear what he has to say about this weird, strange property he found in high school. As we're driving down the long road, getting to this particular place, I just started getting a, just the, the most sickest feeling in my stomach. You know, like, like, don't do this. There's, this is, this is just bad stuff. Just don't do it. You know, fourth time's a charm. Something's going to happen. And I look at these dudes and I was like, hey, man, let's just, let's just go back. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, and then, you know, unbeknownst to me, they were both having this bad feeling in their mind, too, you know. And so, okay, we turned around. We pull around um, at this little, little turnout place prior to, to getting to this uh, yellow gate. The gate was locked this time. You know, it had been closed. And I'm like, okay, good, good. So my headlights are on the gate, and as I turn around to head back to, um, you know, down, down the road we came from, um, something something caught my eye, 
And as I was accelerating, I looked out my, you know, um, driver's side window right there. And to me, and this, and this is, you know, I only looked at it for like a brief glance. It looked to me like there were two deer standing on their hind legs, pacing the car as we were driving away. And I just haul ass out of there. That was the last time I uh, uh, visited the gravel quarry. All right, today we got Alan on the show. Alan, how you doing, man? Hey, good, good. Thank you for uh, reaching out to me. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you reached out to me first to talk about this stuff because, uh, you know... You, you tend to get interview requests and stuff from people that, you know, they have these experiences and, you know, sometimes it's lifelong experiences. Sometimes it's just one instance. Uh, but rarely do I get somebody reaching out to me that has something happened to them that was relatively one instance, but it had so many facets to it. And the, when I read your little email you sent me, the first thing I thought of was the show I did not too long ago, episode 122, Secret Military, Enochian Technology, because that was one story of one happening that had so many facets to it. And I'm not saying that, you know, you're going to share the same story or anything, but what I'm saying is it, it reminded me of that because there's so many different facets to this experience you had. So uh, this happened to you over 25 years ago, you're, the summer before your graduation, I'm assuming from high school, uh, and you and your friend had some crazy experiences. And uh, if you want, go ahead and take it away and share with us what you guys experienced. Yeah, no problem. Um, you know, like I was saying before, it was kind of a interesting story because there were several um, different phenomena wrapped up into one. You know, just big entertaining story. You know, I, I break this story out every every couple of years with somebody who, uh, you know, we're sitting around a campfire. But yeah, it has juvenile delinquency in it. It has kind of some paranormal instances to it and, and some like... Um, unexplained creature for, for all I, you know, for, for lack of better words, some kind of crypto creature, but, uh, you know, which kind of happens at the very end of the story. But it kind of starts out like this, is that I befriended somebody who was several years older than me, and they had just gotten out of the military. And this person was into some really hardcore illegal activity. And they lived in the next town next to me. And then this happened in the state of Washington, by the way, they lived in the next town next to me. And I was hanging out with this person one night and this person was like, you know, I'm, I'm going to take you someplace. And, um, you know, I have some stuff buried here and I'm going to you know dig it up. And then, you know, this is, this is what I do for, you know, to make money. So I was like, all right. Um, I went out with this with this person and we drove down this really long road. And what I remember about that night was it was just a spectacular, you know, like, I don't know if it was a full moon, but the moon was extremely bright. And as we started getting closer to this, this area that he was, um, you know, going to take me to, there was like, you know, your, your typical, um, like yellow, iron steel gate going across the road to where, you know, that, you know, whether it be a construction site or something like that, but the gate was open and we drove in and we started driving through, you know, like, like a, like a rock quarry. And if, if people are not familiar with what a rock quarry looks like, it's, it's just a dugout depression into the ground where there's, you know, several, several different pieces of, uh, you know, gravel laying around. And, and there's usually like a water table, like, like a false water table to where like, uh, they, they had dug down and hit, hit the water. So there was all that going on. And so as we pulled up to this particular place, he started, um, he took out a pickaxe and he started digging into the dirt. And I was like, wow, whatever, whatever this, and he didn't really tell me what, what was going on, but you know, I was like, well, yeah, I just, please don't let there be a body that this guy's bringing up. So anyway, he pulls out his stuff that he had, he'd buried in there like weeks prior. And we started, started talking around as, and as I started 
talking with this guy and kind of looking around the, um, you know, kind of surveying the rock quarry. Um, it was, it, it kind of reminded me of like a, like a lunar landscape, you know, what you can imagine the full moon, no, no ambient light and just kind of bouncing off that kind of grayish white rock. And as I started talking with them, I, I asked them, I go, you don't, you don't have your stereo on, do you? And he goes, no, the, you know, the car's turned off, but you could hear music playing. It was, it was really strange because we we were right up against like basically a cliff that had been dug out and whatever we were hearing was, was obviously bouncing off that, off that cliff. And the best way that I could ever describe this particular music, it just sounded like, like organ music or like pipe music from like a 1960s type of, uh, carnival kind of like boom 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 and it was it, it was just repetitive like that and i looked around and i was like i don't i don't think we're the only one out here and he goes uh no we're not and i was like what are you talking about and he goes well there's a house up there and he starts pointing to to um you know where there i, I didn't notice it before but he pointed to like you know like those uh those kind of like yellowish sodium lights that they have like on old country roads, there was one, one light that was like, you can barely see through the trees. And that was all I saw. And I was like, there's a house right there. And he's like, yeah, there's somebody that lives there. I was like, Oh, okay. So anyway, we, we packed up, he packed up what he wanted to do and we drove out of there. Um, you know, no, no big deal. Just drove, drove out of there. Um, about a week later, my friend Tom and I were driving around and he had like scored like a six pack or something like that. And we were looking for a place to, you know, to drink this beer. And, uh, Tom had, um, another dude from us from high school who was an, uh, an exchange student from, uh, from a European country who spoke hardly any English. So we were driving around and I said, you know what? I know, I know a place where we can drink this beer. So he goes, Oh yeah. And I was like, yeah, check it out, man. So he had a car that was like uh late seventies, um, Oldsmobile or something like that. You know, one, you know, it was like 25 meters long, this car, it was huge. Um, so we started driving down the road and, you know, I'm trying to remember off memory where, where the other dude had taken me. So we found this place and I was like, Hey, you're going to love this place. I mean, it's just secluded. There's nobody out here that the, the gate was open. And as we pulled into this gravel quarry, um, you know, k- kind of a similar night, you know, the moon was, wasn't that bright, but it was still bright. And we were drinking, drinking this beer and the foreign exchange student did the same thing that I said. He goes, are we the only ones out here? And I was like, uh, yeah. He, and he goes, I hear music. He heard the same thing that I had heard. And I go, yeah, there's, there's a house up there. So as we got done drinking the beer, we decided let's go up and check out this house. I mean, this is crazy that there, there's a house up here. So we all piled in his car. Uh, my buddy Tom's driving, obviously. And as we drive into the general direction of, of, you know, there has to be some kind of road here. So we're driving in the general direction of where we think a road is. We see something that to this day blows my mind away. It is and, and to this day, you know, people, when I do recount this story, that's often like they're, they come back to this and go, you saw what? There was a sign at the base of this, of this little road that started going uphill. It was, a Santa Claus holding another sign that says something like absolutely no trespassing violators will be prosecuted. But the Santa Claus was a black Santa Claus. It was just, um, you know, a, a, a black Santa Claus. And it was, it was like, why the hell would anybody ever think to, to a, you know, make this sign look this way and why have a Santa Claus? It's very baffling. So we're like, well, that's weird, you know, and, and, you know, had I had a camera, I wish I would have uh, taken a picture of it. 
So we started to drive up this road, and meanwhile, he's, he has his headlights on going up this road. We see another sign on, the, uh, on a tree that's off to our right. And as we get closer, it said, I, I warned you, no trespassing, trespassers will be shot on sight. And we're like, whoa, this is getting this is getting serious. Meanwhile, the dude at the back of the, the back of the car who, you know, English is like a second language is reading this. He says, should we really be here? And uh, <laughs> I look back and I go, yeah, you bet. So Jeez. as we <laughs> as we drive further, we drive, you know, maybe another hundred feet up this road. There's another sign. And it says last chance. That's that's all the sign says. So we see the light that I had seen earlier, and that's the only light in this house, house area. As we pull up, I mean, imagine this if like, you know, like you're driving and to your right is the downhill section towards the quarry, and off to your left it's uphill. And the house was looked like some kind of like A-frame house. I you know, from from our vantage point, that's what it looked like. So we were directly underneath this house, looking up at it. My friend Tom kills the engine, and we can see that there's a light in the house from from the window. And I'm now, you know, like kind of leaning over above his lap area, looking out the same window he is. And what we see is totally baffling. All the furniture that is normally in a house, you know, chairs, kitchen table is on the ceiling of this house. I mean, I, that, that's the only way that I can describe it is that it took us, we're looking at this thing for like, like 30 seconds. All of our jaws are dropped. We're like, what the hell is this? All of a sudden, out of nowhere comes like three or four gunshots. Like bam, 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 like that scares the hell out of us. I, I bump my head on the top of the car. Meanwhile, think about it. Like the car's now facing uphill. We hear this gunfire. My friend Tom's immediately, you know, puts it in, puts it in reverse, and we're flying down reverse down this down this road, and. We're all scared, you know, scared the hell out of us. You know, we're we're in high school, we're getting shot at, you know, it's like, we don't even know if there's like, if the guy hit the car because, you know, the adrenaline's pumping. So we get down to the bottom to where that uh, Santa Claus sign was, do a star skiing hutch 180 and just drive the hell out of this place. We're driving down the road and there's a, there's a straight stretch where you can get to where it's probably like maybe a half a mile of a straight stretch before the road starts to, um, to curve and, and things like that. And there's nobody behind us. And, you know, it's probably like a 11 o'clock at night. We pull off on the side of the road and we're like, okay, what the hell just happened? And so we're, we're kind of like back briefing each other. We're like, you know, like, we're bringing out like, okay, you saw this. Yeah, I saw that. Did you hear that? Yeah, I heard that. So anyway, um, the next day at school or, you know, when we go back to school, um, we had to tell somebody. So there were these two girls that were pretty adventurous and we kind of pulled them to the side and said, Hey, you know, this, this is what happened to us. Um, and they're like, well, you guys are crazy. Uh, you know, where's this place at? And we're like, well, we'll take you tonight. And they're like, no way. You're going to go back there? And we're like, hell yeah, we're going back there. So this time around, I got my dad's truck for a little drive. And all five of us are now on the truck. Same scenario. We're going down the road. The, the, the gate is open to this uh, gravel quarry and we're like, yep, here's the sign. We're showing them the sign of the the black Santa Claus. And I was like, you know, I'm going to play it cool this time. And I decided to go in reverse up the road so we can be facing back down in case, you know, everything happens again. So I kill the lights and I go up in reverse. And, you know, this time those signs we were seeing are now to our left. And same thing, we got to that same position to where we had stopped, 
you know, a couple of days before. And now everybody's now looking out at the right side of their field, looking up. And all I can hear is, what the F? You know, holy crap, look at this, look at that. And we're like, yeah, what we tell you? What we tell you? This time around, gunfire again, but only louder and closer. And I look in my rearview mirror, and now it, it, I, I can't really explain this, but imagine like two car headlights just appearing out of nowhere. I mean, this car was not, or this vehicle was not there before. Like it had been waiting for us or something like that. Um, and I was like, holy crap. So I, I, I just start flying down the road. And this car that is behind us, or this vehicle, truck, car, whatever it is, um, it's coming after us. I mean, it is right on my ass. And I'm like, great, now he sees the license plate. Great idea, you know. This car, and I'm in a, I'm in a four-wheel drive truck, and I just, I just rip-roar right out of that quarry. And this car, I mean, to, to this day, I mean, I nobody could really, when we tell that story, I couldn't really remember that car hitting me like doing like one of those cop maneuvers where they try to make you slide out but this car was so close that it was behind us but the headlights were covered by the tailgate of uh, uh my dad's truck everybody's freaking out i mean it is inside the cab of that truck it is pandemonium going on all of a sudden we hit that straight stretch and no lights behind us at all like like the car had totally disappeared. And and meanwhile, people are looking out the back window and they can't even see a car. All they see are headlights. Like like for some reason, like the the car was like in a matte black finisher or something like that. It was like you could not see a windshield. All you could see was headlights at us. We keep flying down that road and we go for a couple of miles before um you know, um, we decide to like stop on the side of the road and kind of, kind of get our bearings. Um, and we're all like, well, you know, what happened? You know, and people are saying, I didn't even see a driver. I, all I saw were headlights. I mean, this car was just behind us and it was just two lights, very strange phenomena. Um, so we went back to school and, you know, we're kind of like keeping mums about it because we didn't really want to tell anybody else because we didn't want other people going back to this particular place. And I told my friend Tom, I was like, you know, we're going to we're going to go back. <laughs> we're going to go back again. You know, like a couple like a couple of real idiots, you know, this time I had the next time we went, I had my mom's car. And I was like, well, we'll fool him by going in a different car. And, uh, Jeez. you know, we were, <laughs> we were, you know, we were getting freaked out, really, really freaked out, like going down this, this road was now became real ominous to us. You know, it's like, it's like, we're okay. We're getting ready to go into like the bowels of some kind of like, um, interdimensional weird house with furniture on it, getting shot at ghost car type, type of place, you know? So we, we pull into this gravel quarry and as soon as we break the the uh the threshold of that yellow gate that car or whatever it was is now in front of us and and its lights immediately turn on but this time i can see that it's a car you know some some older older model sedan or something like that and so we pass it as it passes us on, you know, on, on our left. And I'm like, holy crap, he's going to block that gate to where we can't get out. And so like it all, it almost it was like we were playing chicken or something like that. So I peel out in this gravel quarry and I'm now just making a straight shot towards the gate to get out of this place. In the meantime, that car has turned around and is now heading back to us. And I'm like, I'm like, guys, I go, this is it, man. This is where, this is where we die at like 17 years old in a, in a gravel quarry. This is us, you know? So the car barely misses us again. And we pull, we scream out of the gravel quarry and the car, all of a sudden, same as before is right behind us. I mean, that car is, is just, you know, feet away from our bumper. 
we get to the exact same spot that the, that the car like totally went ghost on us as before, and all of a sudden, same thing as before, lights gone, no, no car behind us. And I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking out the rearview mirror. I'm looking out the, you know, the, the driver's side mirror. Just nothing. We get to the usual spot where we kind of pull over, and we're like, "Oh my god! Well, what, what is this?" Because like, we're we're not doing this again. This is just getting too out of out of, out of hand. This is getting too crazy. Um. So, same thing as before. We go back to school, and I tell these dudes, I was like, "Look." There's something about this place that's drawing us again. I go, we got to go back and check it out. We just, you know, let's let's do this. Let's pull off on the side of the road prior to getting to the gate and just walk in there and see if we can, you know, see what happens because we're at that at that particular point we won't be trespassing. And they were like, no, I I don't want to do it. You know, there's too too many close calls, too many, you know too many bad scenarios going on and you know i'm i'm kind of a persuasive person and i talked them both into doing it again get my mom's car again and as we're driving down the long road getting to this particular place i just started getting a just the the most sickest feeling in my stomach you know like like don't do this there's this is this is just bad stuff just don't do it you know you've you know, fourth time's a charm, something's going to happen. And I look at these dudes and I was like, hey, man, let's just, let's just go back. And they're like, yeah, let's do it. And, you know, and then, you know, unbeknownst to me, they were both having this bad feeling in their mind, too, you know. And so, okay, we turned around. And this is where the story gets weird. If it, you know, if it already hadn't gotten weird to this, this yeah. particular point. <laughs> We pull around um, at this little, little turnout place prior to, to getting to this uh, yellow gate. The gate was locked this time. You know, it had been closed. And I'm like, okay, good, good. So my headlights are on the gate. And as I turn around to head back to, um, you know, down, down the road we came from, um, something, something caught my eye. And as I was accelerating, I looked out my, you know, um, driver's side window right there. And in between the the back bumper of my car and like the quarter panel area right there, to me, and this, and this is, you know, I only looked at it for like a brief glance. It looked to me like there were two deer standing on their hind legs, pacing the car as we were driving away, the guy that was in the back starts to scream. Like he, he sees it too, like that. I see it. And I just haul ass out of there, hauled ass out of there. I mean, we, I was maximizing the, uh, the capabilities of that particular car going down that, that like hardball road, you know, back to where we were, uh, you know, just go get back to safety and all that. And, that was the last time I uh, uh, visited the gravel quarry. Wow, man, that's crazy. So uh, that, there are so many different things that were going on there. Uh, do you think that the furniture on the ceiling of that house was something that somebody planted there like that? Or do you think there was something really strange going on inside that house? You know, you know I, I often think about that. And the, the, the possible scenarios are, yeah, that person... You know, like you know, like that, like that Winchester house in like was San Jose that has all the uh, the doors that go nowhere and the, and the and the furniture on the ceiling. They were trying to make something like that. Um, perhaps there was some kind of like strange mirror system that he had that made it look like everything was on the ceiling. Um, who, who knows? All, all we know is that's that's exactly what I saw. Jeez, man. So when you were being chased by this car and everything, did you ever feel like looking back at it that maybe this car wasn't really actually there, but actually more like an apparition of some kind? Because it doesn't sound like it ever made contact with you, like with the bullets or anything. You know, I 
I, I haven't really thought about it in, in that terms. I, I just thought that who, whoever this person was was an extremely skilled driver and that they had been through this before. Like, it was, I kind of got the impression, like, yeah, this person is used to punks coming up this road and they're used to trying to scare people. Like, like it was like their their entertainment or something like that. That's That was the kind of, uh, feeling that I got, but I, I, I guess never, never as like an apparition or anything like that. I, I my, my mind just didn't go there. I guess. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because I mean, it's like almost like somebody has no life and they're just sitting there waiting for somebody to come up the road so they can chase them and possibly kill them if they're actually shooting at you. You know, it's it doesn't seem like it's a very sane thing to do. But then again, when you're hanging these signs up with Santa Claus telling people not to come in, it's like almost egging them on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, that's exactly the kind of feeling I got that this person just wanted idiots to come up that road and test them or something like that. Um, but one thing, one thing that I, I did notice is that when when I first saw the lights of that car, um, you know, sometimes sometimes you can kind of tell not not really the make and model of a car by its headlights, but you can tell that like this is definitely a late model car. Um, you can tell that this is an old truck or something like that. From what I first remember, I do remember that when we first saw the lights, they were pretty far apart. You know, and I, I almost got the impression like there were two cars, like kind of like hood to hood with their with their lights calculated that, you know, like their their lights were like um, in unison or something like that. But as the car got closer and closer to us, the light seemed to get, you know, um, shorter distance apart. So sometimes I think were there two cars? I, I, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, so I think that the car thing, I mean, it could go either way, really. I mean, when you were discussing it and sharing it, I, it, it, to me, it sounded like, was there something paranormal going on here just because of the house and the weirdness of the house and the environment you were in? Uh, but maybe it was two cars. Maybe it's just a family of psychopaths up there that are looking for punk kids, like you said, to come up there and test them. But it, it's definitely nerve wracking. And when, but there is like a, some, some kind of a paranormal experience here to this story because the last part you shared with the deer, the deer that were standing on the high legs i mean there are people that talk about the deer woman where you know it's like a spirit and it's more known to the native american tribes as like a a spirit and some people even say that the deer woman helps women get pregnant or give birth Uh, but then there's also the wendigo which is often depicted as a deer creature with you know antlers and very scary uh what you saw i know is brief and stuff but could you tell if it seems it's just like a deer standing on hind legs or was there something you know like scary like it's a skeleton almost standing there well okay so you know like a, a deer have you know like we have we have like black tailed deer here in uh in oregon and they're a lot smaller deer than you know you would think like a white tailed deer like where you're from you know big big antlers and things like that what i remember was these things being very you know and, and like a black-tailed deer would probably be, if it's if it were to stand on its hind leg, it would be over six feet tall, you know. And 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 that's not even fully stretched out because of the the way their back leg kind of like um, contorts backwards. What I remember was 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 like that like that back leg contortion, really super skinny, but yet you know like when you run, you pump your arms. I remember specifically looking at this arm pumping action and, and, you know, you're, you're looking, you're talking about an animal that has a hard time, um, you know, that can't probably bend that 90 degree angle like we can or further, whatever this thing was, was pumping its arms running along the backside of the vehicle. And as, as far as what I was looking at, you know, I was like that, that is not a deer. That is just what I'm. This that's just what how where my mind's going right there. So it was actually running along with the vehicle. Yeah, it was. It was pacing the vehicle as as I was, you know, as I was turning around uh, there at that gate and getting ready to accelerate. You know, like ten, twenty, thirty miles an hour. That thing was like running like forty miles an hour, keeping up with us until I gasped it. Uh, or both. I, I remember two things. Granted, that you know, this is at night. I'm looking out of the uh, driver's side 
you know, window right there. And that's what I saw. But the dude in the back, he saw more of it. And what the thing that I got out of him was that he just, you know, said deer. It looked like a deer. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you know, like when, uh, other than like, you know, a, a deer, you know, standing up on its hind legs to grab food or something like that, which, which, which they will do. They're not going to be running along a vehicle pacing this particular vehicle. And out of all the places that I could think about, if, if that situation were to happen, I was like, why not it happen at the gravel quarry? Everything weird happens at the gravel quarry. So I have no idea. Yeah, and I mean, everything does happen weird at the gravel quarry. I mean, <laughs> uh, uh, quarries are just, they're, they're interesting locations because of, you know, how they're formed. And, you know, there's a lot of mining. There's a lot of uh, caves, pits, collapses, things like that, that animals could hide in. Uh, and it's really strange because deer, even if they were on the hind legs, they're not built to run on hind legs. I mean, you, you talk about bears, they can pop up on their back leg and they can walk on their hind legs. And, you know, people say, well, that's what people are seeing when they say they saw a Bigfoot. It was just a bear walking on its hind legs. I don't believe that. But when you take in account the very same thing, only with a deer, it, I mean, deer can, they, they're not built to run like that. It's just not natural. Yeah, exactly. And, and and their hind, you know, even if a deer were to walk on its hind legs, their hooves aren't designed to su- support that kind of weight because that's the reason why they're on all fours is to, to, to balance out all that weight. You know, it's just, it's it was just a, a, str- a strange phenomenon all, all the way, you know. Yeah, and it's something that I, I definitely wouldn't want to experience myself. I mean, you're a high school kid, you're doing crazy, stupid stuff, you feel like you're invincible, so you keep going back for more, you think it's fun, it's going to give you some stories to tell later in life, which it did, but uh, I I don't think that I could uh, go back after the, that seeing the deer experience. I mean, everything else you can say, okay, it's a crazy hillbilly shooting at us and chasing us around, it's kind of fun, uh, you know, they, they glue their, their furniture to the ceiling because they're weirdos, <laughs> but uh, when once you see the deer... Uh, creature running on the hind legs, whether it's a deer woman, a windigo, or something else going on, uh, it's it's definitely something that's like, okay, it's time to go now, and I don't think we're going back anytime soon. Uh, the guy who took you up there initially and introduced you to the area, he was digging something yep. up. Do you know what it was, and do you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah, he he was he was a thief. He was just he was stealing stuff, and he was um, you know burying it out there, and. Because he had for for what he was stealing, I guess he had a buyer, and so you know he he was um you know found some soft ground, <laughs> found some soft ground out there to bury it. So that's that that's all I can say at this point. Yeah, and now I, I wonder how does he navigate out there, you know, to bury these things without getting caught? I mean, you guys were going up there, and every time you went up there, uh, you guys were finding trouble, but he was going up there and burying stuff that he stole. Uh, do you do you ever wonder if, like, maybe he was the guy that was doing all this? I mean, do you think he lured you there? No, no, I don't, because, because um, well, to answer your question, like, I, I don't think he ever went up that road, up towards that house. I mean, he, he, by, he, as far as I know, he, he just knew that there was a house up there. He, he was very aware of it. But all I know is, is you know, I, when I asked him a couple of weeks afterwards about about it, he said he never went up that road. And I, I know it wasn't him because during the time when this was going on, he was up he was up in Seattle doing some stuff. Um, so it definitely wasn't him in particular. I mean, he, he could have had a buddy or friends or something like that, but I, I seriously doubt it. I mean, that's this this guy was a criminal. I mean, he's just not gonna like get get involved with scaring teenagers. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it kind of puts your operation at risk if you're trying to scare teenagers. What if what happens if you yeah. guys drive off into the quarry or you actually connect with a bullet? Now, did it, did a bullet ever touch the car? I, I think I might ask you that. I'm not sure. Hold on, I just I just figured out this whole thing. This this is the Scooby Doo episode. Is what this is. What. <laughs> this sounds like a whole Scooby Doo episode, doesn't it? Oh where, yeah. You know, <laughs> where the criminal, the criminal dresses as the monster to scare the kids away. Um, yeah, I mean that, that just wasn't his bag to go out and scare kids. Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, so 
that, we'll chalk that up as a very weird experience uh, and, you know, something that I, I can see how it's fun to tell the story, you know, every once in a while in, in the proper setting and stuff. And I appreciate you coming on and sharing that. Uh, you told me before we w- went live here that uh, you had some kind of Bigfoot experience. I think you said your wife experienced it with you. What happened there? Yeah. So um, my my wife is from a different country. And English is probably her third or fourth language. So, um, yeah, here here in Washington, I was taking her to a place where I have had multiple experiences before with uh, with Bigfoot. Uh, I've been going to this this particular place, you know, for the last uh, you know several years, and I I can. You know, I, I could talk about all the previous scenarios, but I, I want to talk about this one because this one, you know, is, is it's an entertaining story. It's I mean, I, I feel bad for taking her up up there, but it it's it, it'll be entertaining. So anyway, I had just gotten a, a new trail cam, and it was probably like the third or fourth trail cam that I've placed out in this particular area because they've all been uh, stolen, or they're just they're just not there. When, when I go to retrieve them. So I was like, all right, I'm, you know, I'm, there's a game trail. And, you know, my, my experience with trail cams is that, you know, you, I've never gotten anything significant on them, you know, birds, you know, a raccoon, whatever like that. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll try this one out. So I just got a brand new car and, or, uh, you know, a brand new SUV. And as I was driving up this particular road, I didn't, I just told her we were going out for a hike, you know, because, Eventually, we later on that day we were going to go on a hike, but I kind of told her I was like, well, "I'm going to do something real quick. I'm going to set this this trail camera up." And as we pulled up uh, to this particular spot to where I was going to put the camera, I kind of looked at her and I was like, "Okay, um, stay stay in the car, you know, and if I'm not back in in 15 minutes." And I kind of pointed to the OnStar um, on the dash. I was like, "If I'm not here in 15 minutes, go ahead, go ahead and hit this." And and she was like, "Well, why?" And I was like, "Hey, just just trust me." So let me back up. I I had a really bad scenario in, in this particular um, spot where I was putting the trail cam up about a year prior that that really really frightened me because I was all alone when this incident happened. But you know, I. I I'm very well aware of this particular area. So anyway, I get out of the car, I grab the trail cam, and I'm I'm kind of making my way up up this game trail because I'm going to put this camera on this uh, tree. And I had the idea, okay, this time around, I'm, I'm going to take you know tape and put it and double it up and like take moss off some trees and put it you know to kind of hide the strap just in case it, it gets stolen. And as I'm doing that. I hear what I've heard before at this particular place, just a real long huff, like, like a huff of disgust, like, <gasps> and you could tell that there was a lot of, uh, a lot of air, a lot of air power going through here. And my back is towards the noise. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Uh, about a minute later, there's, there's like a, there's a wood knock. And I was like, Oh my God, these guys are starting early today. Cause usually they, it takes me a while for them to, to start making noise. And so as I'm, you know, like doing my thing with the trail cam, I start hearing like roots separating from the ground. Now, now think about this old growth forest. We, you know, like Pacific Northwest old growth forest, you got mixture of hundreds of different kinds of flora, right? So I hear just roots separating from the ground very, very slowly. And I'm like, oh crap, I know exactly what, what's going on here. They're going to knock down a tree, which which they've done before. Very aggressive. Um, and my thing was like, okay, if for whatever reason they knock down a tree and they throw it out in the road, then I'm going to be blocked. Then I'm going to have to go back up the hill to where I don't know how to get off this mountain. This is the only particular way that I know how to, um, you know, go down the road that we came up. 
I'm now frantically trying to, and I, and I brought the instructions up to the uh, to the game camp to try to learn how to use it as I was doing it. But I was like frantically, you know, just trying to get trying to strap it around this tree. All of a sudden, just a tree just boom, and I turn behind me, and all I see is movement, and the movement is probably about 150, 175 feet away of this tree falling down, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta, I, I gotta go. So I, I just left the trail camera up on the tree, and now I'm heading back down the brushy um, game trail to where the car is. I look down there. My wife is now out of the car, and she's looking for me, and she's waving her hands, jumping up and down and, and pointing in the general direction of where that tree just came down. And just like in Raiders of the Lost Ark, I'm trying to tell the the the, the, the plane captain to start the engine, you know, yeah. as, as I'm going, going, going down this little hill. I was like, get in the car. And she was like pointing. I was like, I don't care. Just get in the car like that. So we get in the car. And she's frantically telling me that a vehicle had gone off the road, you know, like some kind of car truck had, and she's telling me, we got to help the people. We've got to help these people that have now crashed in the woods. And I'm looking at her and I'm like, honey, that was no, uh, that was no vehicle. She was like, we got to help the people. We got to, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Trust me. We got to get out of here. Um, this is, we're, we're not in a good position right now that believe me that that was no vehicle that you know hit the ground or something like that and she was like well what was that and it was a very strange conversation you know because there's a lot that's going to be lost in translation yeah. it's a very strange conversation telling her that yeah what what that was 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 more than likely you know a, a six foot tall juvenile century that was mad that we were there and it was showing us that it was mad you know and having to like bring up that whole conversation to somebody that never heard this before um very you know it was was very uncomfortable me trying to tell her that hey by the way honey i'm glad you married me but yeah this is what i do yeah that's what i was just thinking i was thinking hey honey um i just want to let you know i'm a monster (laughs) hunter i hunt monsters yeah, and so, um, very, yeah, very, very interesting. You know, it's like she she doesn't really know what to think, but all she knows is that like what she thought was a, some kind of like vehicle that went off the road. There was a horrible accident that happened up in the woods. Wow. So uh, I guess is she okay with your uh, Bigfoot? You know, hunting now, or is she kind of oh, refrained from it. it? Yeah. Oh, oh, she she does not she does not like for me to go out in, into the woods. Um, she, you know, is very, very, uh, fearful. Um, you know, we gone, my, my friends and I have gone camping in this particular area, um, you know, before, and we'll have them knock down trees and break branches off trees that's surrounding our tent at nighttime and things like that. And when I tell her that, she is just morbidly confused about how anybody would ever voluntarily want to do that. (laughs) It's it's the mystery of it. That's what it is. I mean, we're guys and we like to explore and believe that there's mystery in the world. And when we, when we find the mystery, we go after it. That's just what we do. We're crazy. Yeah. I mean, I was like, yeah, well that's, you know, that's how some people get their kicks, I guess, you know? So, yeah, I I saw on your Facebook that, uh, your former military, do you think that has anything to do with, uh, your willingness to go out there and look for these things, especially when you know they're actually in the area? Yeah, I think it does because, because of the fact that, um, you know, I, I spent some time, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan and there's a certain, level of excitement that you can only get from being over there. And I don't, you know, I, I'm not trying to be a Freudian or anything like that, but I, I do think that maybe in some way I'm trying to like recreate some of that excitement. Maybe, um, I, I, I don't know, but all I know is I've, I've had an interest in this topic, you know, since I was a kid and I have found a place where, you know, they're, uh, where they're definitely there during certain parts of the year. And, you know, I'm pretty, um, ex- and I'm always excited to go back there during, you know, that particular time of the year. Um, 
this this year has been pretty you know no i haven't I've really had any experiences going up there, any, any audible, any, anything for that much. So, um, I, I don't know where this particular family group is at, at this time of year, but, um, you know, the Pacific, the Pacific Northwest, I mean, just throw it, throw a dart at the, at the map and you'll find something. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've never been out there, but I mean, obviously I talk to a lot of people who live there and, uh, it's, it's amazing to hear people describe the wilderness that's out there and how just big and rural some areas are. Uh, did you ever find anything, you know, with all your, your, you know, looking around for these things, did you ever find any pictures or prints or anything that you would consider personally as vindication for you being out there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I found prints before. Um, and, and granted that when, when you, when you find something that can remotely look like a print, I mean, I don't, I don't know what people's expectations are, but you're just not going to find something, you know, it, you know, like, like, like if you were to step in wet mud or something like that, right. you know, you, you can get like the paradigm print or something like that. But, you know, um, I have found, found depressions, obviously, um, the, the experience that I have in this particular area, which I, 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 I firmly believe is, is a juvenile century, and I say that for I'll say that for several reasons. But yeah, as far as as far as like whether you want to call it vindication or something like that, or, or a reward for finding something out there, I have found depressions that that you know are are spaced several feet apart you know, walking in a linear motion. And one of the, one of the things that I think is really interesting, and this is why I, I think that, you know, we're, we're talking about maybe a century for a family group and that there, there could be like a breeding mother in this particular area is because all the area that, that I've had these experiences at, and, and it, if I may, if you back up a year, um, I got, growled at so viciously by this particular um bigfoot that it just kind of rattled me but it wasn't a growl like you would typically hear like on a um you know what whether it be like like if you can imagine like the, the ohio sounds or something like that it wasn't that type of growl it sounded more like like uh, you're a truck driver, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely a truck driver. So, so you have like the air brakes that make that rah 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 kind right. of sound. You know what I'm talking about? Like an air brake on a truck. Yeah, exactly. It sounded like a big truck was growling at me from like 100 feet away. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't a really loud particular sound, but it sounded like like somebody didn't have a lot of air in their lungs attempting to scare me. It was just like rah, 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 like that. And when it hit me, you know, it, it was just like, um, I had tunnel vision. Basically I was staring at the direction of where I was getting growled at, you know, and it almost kind of looked to me like I was looking through a straw. And when I finally came to, I was like, Oh crap, man, I'm going to, I'm going to walk back down to my car. So as I started walking, whatever this thing was, was pa was pacing me on one side of where it would growl at. And it paced me all the way, almost back to my car. And it was such a surreal feeling to me that I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, that was, that was definitely a weird feeling like that. I mean, that physically affected me. The particular area where I got growled at, I've been back to numerous times, and this this like geographic area. I mean, let's just say that it's like uh, I don't know, five hundred square feet area on the side of this forested hill. Um, all of the ferns that were that were in this area were pulled out and piled up to make like a hide or something like that to look down upon the road that you would eventually be driving up. Um, so that was very strange. I mean, like you, you get the idea of like the, like the red fern, the sword fern, you know, they were all pulled yeah. out and, and piled up to make like a hide and, you know, which, which in the military, you know, I'm an infantry guy, you know, we used to make hides all the time. So very, very tactful. It also very strange too, but it looked like 
somebody got really, really bored and started breaking apart twigs and like pushing them into the ground to, to make like, I, you know, I don't know what they were. I mean, they could be like geographic, uh, not geographic, but like little shapes and things like that. Um, you know, somebody deliberately pushed sticks into the ground and somebody had all had also like been digging into the ground. Like a kid would be like bored or something like that. It just, it just screamed to me like this, this was a young person that was right here. That, that was the kind of impression that I got. Did okay. that make sense? Yeah, it, it definitely makes sense. And you know, it's, it's uh, it's very interesting. You're not very far from. I mean, it's not like a hop skipping away, but I mean, you know, the the location that uh, you're doing this stuff. I mean, I imagine you're not far from like the Paul Freeman area. You know, where he was doing a lot of stuff from in like the Walla Walla, Washington area. Uh, I mean, I I don't I really don't know. I, I'm just assuming you're probably within a few hours at least of there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm I'm, I'm familiar with what you're talking about and. You know the, the the coast the coast range is um, it, for all intents and purposes it's it might as well be a rainforest. You know, I mean that's that's the type of terrain that you're in because it's just the amount of um, the uh, the water that you know whether it's through rain or through fog or something like that. But it all that area you know that you know where you're talking about the Freeman footage. I mean that that's that is definitely probably be classified as a rainforest. So do you, Geographically, there's not much difference in between that particular area and the area where I where I was at. Um, so it, it's kind of like which I've tried to explain this to, to people before, and I'm very very selective on who who I talk to. Um, but the, the the Pacific Coast Range going all the way up through BC, all the way basically to Northern California. One area might as well be another area because of the fact that the elevation is generally the same and every every um, stream you have, every river you have is going to be salmon producing. Um, it's going to have the exact same kinds of food. So really one area is just as good as another area. And I don't know why um, they chose this particular area over another area it just you know i have no idea yeah it's interesting you were talking about earlier about the impressions you found and uh you know what to you know expect with reason and uh you know i i i'm really a big fan of uh paul freeman's work you know when he was doing his thing before he passed and uh i had a chance to talk with his son a little bit and oh yeah yeah and his son told me, he said that, you know, people would kind of come down on his dad, you know, the doubters and say, you're just making evidence up. You're just, you know, nobody finds this much evidence. And the one thing that he said is you, people have to understand that his dad spent, uh, you know, I think he said like close to like 50 hours a week out in the woods looking for these things. And it was every day for like 15 years. That's a lot of time that he spent in the woods looking for these creatures. So when you take that in perspective compared to most people today who, you know, they, they're out there looking for these things, but they're not out there on that kind of level. Uh, you, it's hard to find things like fresh footprints in the moment, because if you find a fresh footprint, it means that they're probably really close nearby, you know? So a lot of times you're going to be finding things that are older impressions and you ha- and, and you just have to kind of come to expect that. Yeah, exactly. Um, cu- a couple of things. It's like it, it's like the lottery. You got to play it to win it. And you know, if you're spending you know the equivalent of more than a full time job out in the woods every week, you're you know you're the chances of you you know a um, noticing something that wasn't there last week is going to be you know tenfold. You're just you're just going to definitely notice it. And get getting to know the lay of the land, you know, the topography, the geography, the lay of the land, like, like he did in that particular area, you know, and that, and what I know about that particular footage is that, you know, that wasn't the first time that he had been in that location, nor the last, he just happened to be at the right place at the right time. You exactly. Know? 
And I mean, that footage, I think, is probably uh, it's probably the best footage we have outside of the Pat- Patterson Gimlin film. Uh, I mean, it's really it's really right up there. I mean, because it's, you know, the time that it was shot. I mean, it wasn't like 2019 where we could compute, you know, use computer graphics to make something. Uh, whatever that was, was really there. And it was really big because when you look at it next to the trees that it was near, uh, it, it was huge, absolutely huge. When it walked by the one tree, it caught part of the tree with the shoulder and the whole branch just moves and weighs back and forth. I mean, whatever this was, was a really big creature. And, uh, I, I'm a firm believer in, in the, uh, Paul Freeman footage and, uh, it's just, you know, I think it's just one of the best out there. You know, and, and that's the thing, though. When, when I look back at that that footage, it's like it's almost like he had like a gimbal on it, you know, like on a, on a drone to keep it steady. I am so surprised that he had a steady hand while filming that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't know. I don't know uh, what it's even like to see a Bigfoot. So I don't even know how I would react in the moments and stuff. Uh, but it, it's... um. Well, I, I, the more I talk to people and the more I hear their stories about these encounters, the, the less I actually want to come across it. <laughs> so I think it would have to be the, a contained environment. Like, let's get this thing in a cage, you know, have it a block away, and maybe I'll look at it through binoculars. That's kind of how I'm at right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, like if and only if the Bronx Zoo has a Bigfoot, um, you know, uh, pavilion or something like that, yeah. then, then I'll go see one. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess... I guess I just, um, you know, I, I grew up out here in the Pacific Northwest. I like being out, out here and it's just, it's, it's interesting, entertaining and exciting at the same time. And, and I, I don't think I'll be able ever be able to shake that. Yeah. Well, I don't blame you whatsoever. Everything I've heard about the Northwest and stuff, it's a beautiful area and, uh, it sounds like it's the, um, the squatchers, you know, haven. So, uh, Man, I'll tell you what, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing these stories. Uh, everything from the weird house to the deer creatures, the Bigfoot stuff, being chased by a car, being shot at. It's been an eventful show, man, and I really do appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, thanks for having me on, and uh, you have a good one. Well, that's the show, everybody. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did enjoy it, please share the show with your friends. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, email, doesn't matter to me. But if you enjoyed the show and you think somebody else would enjoy the show, it would really help our show if you shared it around with other people. So I greatly appreciate that in advance. And until next week, friends, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first it'll piss you off. Bye. Can't seem to tell me what I need to get right Your eyes They can't seem to understand what I've realized Realize This isn't just a dream Stuck on a bad repeat Fighting the air to breathe You can't touch me now to see it doesn't have to be you winning over me you can't touch me now I'm a bad
Ain't my fault, it's all I got, it's so bad, man. 